I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Emma Scoble. Welcome to Gym City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We are from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. Today, we have a very special episode. We have joining us today, Shelley Dickstein, City Manager for the City of Dayton. We will be exploring the May 25th, 2019 KKK rally. Throughout the episode, we will look into the response of the city and the county before the event and what took place during the event. This episode is the first in a three-part series remembering the events that took place that weekend. Good morning, Lake. Good morning, Shelley. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing not too bad, trying to uh, adapt to to this new home office that we have here. Yes, I know. It's a, We have a real challenge when uh, both uh, my husband and I are working from home because we don't really have good space uh, to spread out and not be interrupted by one another. So <laughs> it is definitely challenging time. I get it. Hey, I have here, just so you know, um, on the phone as well, Emma, who, Emma Scoville, who is one of our interns. She's also a UD student who's helping us with this project. Hi. Oh, nice great. to meet you. Hi. Hi, Emma. Nice to meet you. But, yeah, I, we have the same issue here. Me and we have a two-bedroom apartment, so me and my wife, it's sometimes a question of, you know, she has a class or a lesson, and it's like, all right, who's going to have the the extra bedroom who has to be on a zoom call or or whatever at this time so we're like all playing around each other's schedules yeah yeah it definitely requires adaptability and flexibility huh that's for sure (laughs) so okay to start with can you walk me through the emotions or reactions that happen within your office um, or within city hall when you first became aware that the kkk had applied for a permit to protest um, on May 25th, 2019? You know, I think there was a a whole range of emotions. There were, you know, obviously um, anger um, that, you know, such a, uh, that a hate group like that was going to be coming into our city. Um, There was fear, uh, legitimate fear. There was frustration in the, you know, trying to figure out a way from stopping the activity, prohibiting them to come, deterring it. Uh, so I think those were the, the certainly the immediate, you know, anger. Those were the immediate responses that went that that initially arose in the first, I would say, in the first phase of processing before we started all of the tactical planning. Sure. And about how far before the actual event would you say that the shift changed from looking for ways out and looking for ways that maybe we can prohibit this to this is happening and we need to prepare for what that may mean? Um, If I'm remembering correctly, somewhere around February is when they got the approval uh, from from Montgomery County to come, given that it was Montgomery County's for so initially you know that that first month or so was really where the the city collectively was looking at having st- st- 
strategic conversations to prevent them from coming. Much of that work continued over the, you know, over the course, the first few months, while another part of the organization, you know, representatives from many of the departments really um, started shifting into the tactical planning. Okay, if this is going to happen, what are the ways that we keep our community safe and that we don't become, you know, I think it was North Carolina where they had had a really bad situation. You know, we did not want to become the the national example of, you know, worst-case scenario developing Mm -hmm. in our community and with our citizens. Sure. Yeah, I think we'll we'll look into that throughout this and more of those questions. But I think there was a big shift in our community that seemed, from my perspective, to be different from what we saw in a lot of the national media, where these turned into violent, hateful events. But from what I could tell, the the event here in Dayton seemed to have quite a different message. Yeah, and I think that was uh, a large part due to uh, our mayor and commissioners, you know, the elected leadership, you know, understanding fairly soon on that, you know, and this is the thing that's the most um, difficult to manage um, is that, that emotional conflict of, you know, if we are truly going to value the freedom of speech, and as a country, we certainly have, and protect individuals' ability to, you know, express their opinions and their free, have their freedom of speech, then we have to allow for those to, who have completely opposing views and values to speak or Mm-hmm. or it is not protecting. And I think that that struggle early on and, and that our community, like many others, still struggle with that because people just want to shut down hateful speech without, mm-hmm. you know, it, because thinking, well, they shouldn't have a right to hateful speech. And, you know, any kind of speech can offend somebody else, right? Uh, and so I think, but back to the, the, the question at hand, I think that, we want, I think, first of all, Dayton is a very different kind of place, you know, mm-hmm. and certainly the all of the events of 2019 helped illustrate that we are a, a gritty community and an, an incredibly supportive and compassionate community. And so it didn't surprise me that there was a whole, there was a, a positive response to the you know the when the elected leaders came and said we need to do something um different we need to have you know an alternative opportunity for you know folks to express love because we are a community about love not a community about hate um right. and the community really embraced that and responded to that personally having sitting there watching and monitoring the event unfold I wish there had been more people who wanted to turn their backs or deaf ears to the hateful speech and come together in supporting and expressing love for one another. But I also absolutely respect and understand you have to meet people where they're at and people have different needs and different 
values that they need to, you know, live by. And so, you know, it's a very personal choice as to whether you go and try and drown out the hate or show with your physical presence that you don't approve of such stuff versus saying, you know what, I don't even need to listen to that garbage. I'm going to come over here and celebrate all the positive things about our community together, right? So very, very personal Mm -hmm. decisions. And we have to embrace and provide for all of those as a diverse community. Right. And I think kind of going off of what you said, a lot of what I have heard and as we started talking to these other people is it almost seemed as though there were two mentalities that you started to bring up as it referred to this. And one of those mentalities Mm -hmm. I think goes along with that love and celebrating love and unity. The other kind of side of that and things that I heard were people saying that by showing up and expressing anger towards those members of the KKK, a lot of people seem to have the feeling that that was giving into exactly what they wanted from us. Sure. Yep. There was very much that, that, dynamic was occurring as as we were watching things, too. Mm-hmm. Emma, you want to jump in? Yeah, sure. Okay, so going back to a little bit of what you are talking about earlier, I think a lot of listeners are curious as to what happened behind the scenes. So clearly with this mm-hmm. budget of a community effort, including bringing in fencing, police towers, additional law enforcement, et cetera, there must have been a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Can you provide some understanding mm. of what those conversations were that existed behind the scenes in the planning stages? Sure, sure. So, yes, there was an inordinate amount of uh, planning uh, behind the scenes. So we had um, initially, uh, we had representatives from almost every department uh, around the table that were helping to plan, helping to think through what we would, you know, what what we physically needed to plan for, which included the fencing and the separation, uh, and many people thought that was about protecting the speakers. It was far more about protecting our community and mm-hmm. trying to even ascertain how many people would be coming. There was a, a lot of uh, investigative work, so monitoring social media, monitoring, you know, talking with federal. Uh, intelligence agencies trying to understand who and how many uh, folks would be coming to from the group itself to the supporters of a, that group, you know, mm-hmm. which obviously yeah. um, we were fortunate and no, none showed up, um, but had they, that could have really changed the dynamic uh, mm-hmm. for the community. So there was, there, you know, certainly the police-led uh, uh, a great majority of that, you know, the space planning, the how do we, because this is a also, you know, we were going off of some of our experience in the 90s when we had our last visit, but mm-hmm. the laws had all changed, you know, the open yeah. carry wasn't around in, 90, in the 90s. And, you know, at one point in time, we identified 75 assault rifle-like guns in the crowd coming into this you know protest area you know and so that is a dynamic that is often lost on um the community when they think we have over planned right it does not take but a spark but a spark of 
wrong behavior for something incredibly bad to uh, uh, unfold. Uh, mm-hmm. So there was the whole physical space. How do you how do you you know track what who's coming? How, how do you monitor uh, real time? You know how do you prepare for? Then there's a whole lot of what if conversations, right? What you know, right. and when do mm-hmm. when is the appropriate time for the city to declare an emergency so that we have expanded ability to address a situation? And and what are the legalities around that? And what are the you know just the special supplies we need? And you know, and so yes, it is a extraordinarily uh, collaborative, coordinated, complex. <laughs> situation to plan for to be able to um, basically respond on the fly because you never ever know during that two period two hour period of time mm-hmm. what is actually going to unfold and happen and and being prepared and to the best ability to respond to whatever develops is really what you're planning for right now I think you hinted to it a little bit Prior to the actual KKK rally happening, there were a lot of posts circulating on social media um, trying to highlight the individuals that they believed were going to be attending that rally with the KKK. Um, There Uh were several posts in in addition that even identified members of that group who had charges, felonies, things of that nature, um, who could not be carrying weapons um, as they had those felonies. Were the city aware of those? posts and um, were there things happening in the background? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the city, again, in working, they had a a team, first of all, who were just monitoring, you know, all of that social media activity. And uh, it was very interesting because the the people who were in support of would often, there there was often these games of you know, inflating numbers or things would get posted mm-hmm. and immediately removed. You know, there was, it was it was a obviously very deliberate plan of deception, right, with regards yeah. to social media. Um, but as our teams would would track that, you know, that's where they would then connect with the federal intelligence agencies, uh, the <clears throat> staffing, the policing. Uh, with regards to, you know, the outpost, you know, so we had around, mm-hmm. you know, we had the the initial stage, you had an initial perimeter, and then you had an outer perimeter. They were all well um, versed on, you know, and had pictures of and, you know, were able to help with that tracking and I, I identifying of particularly dangerous folks who may be in, infiltrating into the crowd, what their backgrounds were. I mean, there were several um, subjects of interest within those that 700 number or so that the police were well informed of, were monitoring, um, were physically following um, as the two-hour event unfolded to essentially minimize opportunity um, or inhibit uh, inappropriate behaviors. Sure. So now I'm interested as we're talking about these planning conversations, um, obviously after the event, the city released the number as to how much money was spent on 
on kind of these safe holdings for this event. Were those price figures brought up in the planning stages or was the planning conversation more, these are the things that we need to do regardless of the costs? Well, I think, you know, obviously we always um, are, you know, as we are stewards of, of the taxpayer dollars, we are always conscientious of costs and incurring sure. costs. Um, and so, yes, there is always a, a, a discussions about how to, you know, deliver this plan in a more cost or more economical fashion. And much of the the funding that was used was about a third to 40% of the funding used are, was supplies and things that if they didn't get used, you know, could be reused, right? Mm -hmm. So some of it was kind of creating an emergency stockpile that we would certainly be able to reuse. Some of it was much more expensive than we wanted, like the fencing. Um, Mm -hmm. That happened to be, for me personally, difficult expenditure. However, you know, at the end of the day, uh, proved to be very valuable uh, with regards mm-hmm. to keeping our citizens and the region's citizens for coming in safe. And and that was ultimately, you know, the ultimate goal here was to not have um, injury uh, mm-hmm. and to not have um, loss of life where, you know, in other places that had not been the case. And and so I go back to, yes, we were very conscientious of of, of the budget. Um, at the same time, it's very difficult to put a price tag on sure. somebody's life or their forever altered livelihood, right? And so right. Um, we th- th- that was a uh, wrestling match that we certainly um, – Performed throughout the three months of the three months of planning and executing for the event. Sure. So now let's go to the actual day, May twenty fifth, two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that I saw you at the event at Macintosh Park. Um, can you talk about the mm-hmm. emotions that were happening on this actual day and uh, maybe actually, your own personal? Actually, like- Sure, I can, but I was not at that event. Um, you saw my husband and daughter okay. uh, who were <laughs> definitely at the event. And Abigail actually came in from Kalamazoo College for the weekend specifically to show up at that event um, because she thought that it was incredibly important to embrace love and celebrate love uh, when a hate group was in town. Sure. Um, for me, I was in the strategic, and 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 all of the elected officials, I believe, were at the Macintosh Park event. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the not the central command because that was certainly the 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 major and the police that were um, the few individuals that were absolutely on point for this for you know the the execution of the plan and monitoring i was in what i would call a centralized um command or oversight post it wasn't a command post it was an oversight post we had uh, a number of cameras you'll recall that we replaced and upgraded so that we had ability to zoom in zoom out pretty much mm-hmm. at any point 
of the footprint downtown so we could have real-time vision on what was going on. So I was in that room. Uh, it was a large conference room, and if you envision one large wall of like 15 different camera shots, that's where I was, along with the police chief and our communications team, and we were monitoring real-time what was going on you know, before the event, during the event, and after the event. So for okay. me, it was uh, initially the, the feelings or the emotions were that of real trepidation, nervousness, anxiety, because I was very concerned about what was going to happen. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, and not really having any control, right? You were just waiting now. We had done everything we could do. Now we were waiting to make sure that the plan was sufficient for the event. As the event, as the the group was led onto Courthouse Square, there were, you know, as a as a Jewish woman, there were a lot of anger and and bad mm-hmm. feelings that resonated. Right, you know, these people and their values were. It was very hard to manage emotionally because as I saw them, you know. I, nothing nothing good obviously resonated with me and so i was m- trying right. to manage the personal feelings of um disgust and you know anger and all of that trying not to you know keeping that in the distance cuz my job was to to be centrally focused for the organization and the community right and so mm-hmm. that was a hard wrestling match, right? I was pushing a lot of the personal feelings to the side, trying to stay centered and focused on the task at hand that my job required. Then I kind of settled in and it was clear that, you know, we were maintaining order and effectively inhibiting discourse within that six to 700 group of people where I was mostly concerned about Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until towards the end of the event where we started to see a shift in the crowd and movement in that crowd, and it appeared that there was a, an interest in trying to reassemble where perhaps the crowd might or the, the uh, members of the hate group might be departing. Uh, mm-hmm. where I started to get, again, the anxiety kind of rolled in because then it was, it was that back to that unsettled feeling of, oh, we're not, you know, this is, this wasn't planned for. We need to move expeditiously. We need to respond accordingly, you know, so there was, and then, and then they, you know, they were escorted out and it was done. But that, it, it really was just kind of a holding my breath for two hours to make sure that we could get through this without any negative or, or, or without any major detriment uh, occurring within our community. Right. Now, I'm curious, was there ever any sense or any fear that something could go south at the other event at McIntosh Park? I know there was also a heavy police presence there. Yeah, there certainly was. There was certain there was certainly concern from particularly people I would say who were less connected with the event. It's you know the event planning um, that mm-hmm. were concerned that Macintosh was too accessible, 
that the hate group would travel there and stir up things where we wouldn't weren't planned for, et cetera. So yes, there was absolute conversation about that. There was contingency uh, with regards to that. Past experience had said, you know, these these groups don't travel like that um, mm-hmm. the, for their own safety. There is mm-hmm. a a fair amount of fear and trepidation by members of these groups as well because they realize they are typically outnumbered in these situations mm-hmm. and and the fact that we were escorting them in and out we had and had detail on them basically we were fairly confident that that would not happen but certainly planned for it and that's why you saw the the police presence at McIntosh so that if anybody beyond this group had bad intentions, that we would be able to respond accordingly. The other thing that made this quite challenging is there was also, you know, the group at Riverscape who had wanted to be at Levitt but ended up at Riverscape. So the the police planning and resources and response were spread between, you know, multiple venues, and that always creates for uh, complexities and capacity issues. So we were very grateful and so and and glad that we got the kind of response from the Ohio State Police all the way through our um, local jurisdictions and sheriff departments. They came in great numbers to support us, and that allowed for us to have the kind of uh, stretching of our resources to respond and have plans wherever things could spike, we had ample folks to respond and and protect. Sure. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Sure. So days after the KKK rally, tornadoes tore through the Miami Valley. Ultimately, this weekend would sort of birth this movement of Dayton Strong and as well the hate is not welcome here slogan emerged. In your eyes, what have been the long-lasting impacts that this event and that weekend has had on our community? Well, I think that it certainly has helped further embed the brand of Dayton Strong, right? All of the, I mean, it was really the the kick, as you said, the kickoff of that, but every incident that's happened thereafter, uh, including the coronavirus, uh, and I'm sure will reappear if this group does end up successfully coming back in the fall. I think it has certainly um, helped reinforce that Dayton is a uh, gritty community that comes together in strength uh, when there is a crisis or when there is a an unanticipated event that that threatens our community. I think what you see is this, it's a it's a call to arms, kind of. It's become a call to arms mm-hmm. for our community in that, you know, whenever you reference or there's a reference to Dayton Strong and that you will then see Facebook posts of, oh, my God, what happened? Because they, they expect right. it to be in response to, you know, some kind of a emergency or crisis event. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that they are trying to come back in the fall. So for our listeners that don't know, almost a year after this mm-hmm. protest and visit from the KKK, the group again applied for a permit to gather, and it was denied. Can you speak to what your reaction was when you received the application and what went into the decision to deny the permit? 
Well, I can certainly speak to the reaction. Um, the you know, I think it was a combination of disbelief and anger that they would come back, um, mm-hmm. given that given that there was you know, in our event, in our eyes, it wasn't a very successful you know visit. Um, right. So I think that there that was that was one of concern. Certainly the, you know, the approval or the denial of the permit for Courthouse Square comes from Montgomery County. I think this time around there was more conversation and coordination between the city and the county that, um, and, and, and the county decided a different course of action. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not at the end of the day that will stick and we will be able to keep them out of our community. Time will tell, obviously, but we right. certainly applaud the county in their leadership with regards to denying this application and will do everything in our ability to assist them in continuing to keep this group from coming into Dayton. Right. So to kind of wrap up, what message do you want Daytonians to have taken away from the, this weekend of May 25th, 2019? I would I would focus on the whole um, celebration of love and that, you mm-hmm. know, whoever, whatever group comes to town to, you know, wreak havoc on our community or violate our principles of love and standing together, that we, uh, first of all, again, recognize and respect and and meet people where they're at. And everybody has different needs that that drive them in their behavior. So first and foremost, continuing the respect and giving people their space um, is important. But also remembering that we are a community um, that is united in love and that is a very strong value of Dayton and that regardless of what comes to threaten our community, that we remember that love and compassion um, gets us through these difficult times to, to not forget that, regardless of the threat that comes to our community. We appreciate it. Stay healthy in this, in this crazy time. You guys as well. Stay strong and stay well. Thank you for tuning in to Gem City Diversity. Make sure to come back next time as we dive into our next topic. For more information on NCCJ and diversity within the Miami Valley, go visit www.nccjgreaterdayton.org. Make sure to like NCCJ of Greater Dayton on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at nccj underscore of underscore greater underscore Dayton. And follow us on Twitter at nccjdayton. I'm Emma Scoville, and I was joined today by my co-host, Lake Miller, and we'll see you next time.